All right, this is going to be a short message, but because uh, um, we want to spend most of our time uh, in the sacrament here. But we come to that place in this preaching series where we talk about sacred practices. Not just sacraments, but sacred practices. What are sacred practices? Sacred practices are those things that we do together in order to remind us who we are, in order to confirm our real identity. Now, I told you last week that my personal journey is to become someone who loves like Jesus and to teach you how to love like Jesus. Let me tell you the shocking first step in that. This is going to surprise you when I say this, but give me a minute. Don't tune me out right away. The first step in loving like Jesus is to realize you are Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean you replace Jesus. That doesn't mean you're the Savior. But what Scripture says about you is that your identity is in Jesus Christ. It's who you are. Do you remember when Moses asked God to describe himself? Give me a name. Give me an attribute. Do you remember what God says? This is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said, I am who I am. In Hebrew, it's Eie, Eshir Eie. What does that mean? That means I have the same identity. This is in the imperfect sense. It's, it's, it's singular, but it's in, in the imperfect sense. In other words, it has no past, no future. I am the same. No matter when, no matter what the circumstances, you can always count because that is my nature. Do you understand that when you come into Christ, you gain a new nature that is the same no matter what your circumstances? This is what scripture says about you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Keep him coming. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 2.20. This is what Paul says, what all of us would say with him. I have been crucified with Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Come on some more. 1 Corinthians 6, 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus said, very simply, you're the light of the world. Do you remember what it said in Jesus, about Jesus in the beginning of the Gospel of John? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in, within the beginning, in the beginning with God, and, and, and through him everything was made, and without him not anything was made that was made, and, and him, in him was the life, and he was the light of the world, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you know what he says about you? 
You are the light of the world. You are the ones that darkness will not overcome. Now, this is really important for us to understand because the world will continue to try to tell you who you are. They'll stick labels on you and you will mistake those labels for your identity. In, in, in uh, Romans 12 verse 2 it says, don't be conformed to the world. And in, in, in some of your versions it says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Now you have to know what your real identity is if you are in Jesus Christ. You have to know that because that will give you the certainty and the confidence. If I were to ask you, who are you? And, and before you heard this sermon, you would start down a roll of descriptors other people have given you or descriptors you have learned for yourself. Well, I'm an engineer. No, you're not. That's your job. That's not who you are. Well, I'm a sinner. No, you're not. That's what you do. That's not who you are. Well, I'm an alcoholic. Hello, my name's Joel and I'm an alcoholic. Well, no, that's an addiction you have. That's not who you are. Well, I'm a father. No, that's a role. That's not who you are. Well, I'm L or G or B or T or A or H. No, that's an orientation you have. That's not who you are. You understand how this works? It's really important to know that you have the nature of Christ because it will make all the difference between your circumstances. Who are you? Well, I'm, a, I'm struggling. No, that's what you're going through. That's not who you are. Make all the difference in how you operate in this world. Years and years ago, probably almost 30 years ago, a friend of mine who's a black pastor in town invited me to a revival because they were having a special speaker. And, 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 and this, this bishop that was, you know, uh, really well respected. And so, and so Becky and I went. Only two white people in the entire crowd. And, and, and did we feel odd? Absolutely not. Because of what I just told you. We all had the same identity. We all had the identity of Jesus Christ. We did, we, that was our family. That was who we are together. Well, we're sitting there. And they introduced this speaker. Man, this old, wrinkly, crinkly guy gets out of the seat. And he turns toward, and he starts to walk toward the pulpit. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, he's not even going to make it to the pulpit. He's not even going to make it there. And he just, and, 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 and he gets to the pulpit, and he kind of hangs on, and he kind of gets his body around. See, and I thought, he's not going to make it through this sermon. We're just going to have a funeral and a revival at the same time. Because <laughs> he hadn't gotten in it. And he started slow. Well, he said, I, I, I'm not as smart as you all. I'm not as learned as you all. When I was a boy, I was a sharecropper and I had to be in the fields every day. So I, I don't know as much as you do, but I know 
what God has said about me. And then he started, and you know how this goes. The rule started coming. I know what God said about me. I, I haven't probably had as easy as life as some of you, but I know what God has said about me and about my life. And when he got done, I'm telling you, it's a good thing there weren't seat belts in those pews because we would have ripped them up from the floor. We were all, woo! He looked, he just looked like, a, you know, a 26-year-old Benjamin Button with, you know, it looked old, but it was young. <laughs> the power and the confidence of this man did not come from education. It did not come from accomplishment. It did not come from his role. It came from knowing who he is in Jesus Christ. That's something I want for every one of you to remember that. And that's the key. You see, some of you aren't confused by these scriptures. You know them, but you forget who you are. That's our big problem. We forget who we are. It says in James, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, in other words, if you don't make this how you live your every day, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. You are naturally Jesus Christ. When you come in to the kingdom, you have his nature, you have his spirit. That's who you naturally are. Watch this. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. That's our problem. We forget. Why do we have sacred practices? Because they help us remember. They remind us who we are. 4,000 years ago, more than 4,000 years ago, we got one on the occasion of our being set free from slavery. This is the Passover meal or a semblance of it. Exodus 12, 14 and 17. Now this day will be a memorial for you. See, the, the Old Testament talks more about memorials than it does about faith. Because we've already got faith, we just need to remember. This will be a memorial for you, to you. You shall also observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread on this very day. I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt, and therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. That's why Jesus did what he did. By continuing on Passover, that's why Jesus did what he did. Because he knows that as soon as we get out of here today, as soon as you go on, you'll, you'll be distracted. The world will try to redefine you again. Your attention will be at the next challenge you have. And we will, watch this, we will all stray from who we really are. You remember the story of the, prod of, of the prodigal son. It's all of our story. All of our story. This Jewish boy who wants his inheritance so he can go out and do what he wants to do. And so his daddy 
gives him the resources to do that. Just like our daddy gave us the resources to live the kind of life we want to live. And most of us at one time or another have thought to ourselves, what in the world am I doing? That's where he found himself when he woke up in a pig pen. He had a job with pigs. He was Jewish. That is the lowest of the low. He was eating with pigs. He wasn't eating pigs. He was eating with pigs. And this is what the Bible says. Luke 15, 17. And when he came to himself. This is King James. I love this version. Other versions say when he came to his senses. But it all means the same thing. When he remembered who he was. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I hear I perish. In other words, what am I doing? Have you ever been in that spot where you go, wait a minute, I can do this, but this isn't me. What am I doing? How did I end up here? This isn't me. It's important to remember who you are. It's important to know that you weren't just made for the role that the world wants to give you. Years ago, I was playing football. You know how I love football. And uh, our, our team in, 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 my, in the earlier years were, 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 you know, we were kind of hit and miss. Senior year, we went undefeated, but the junior year, we were, we were about even. And I remember that year because there was this guy on our team. He was, he, he was so strong, so strong. And he was the quintessential football player. I mean, his older brothers had been so good at football that the, the name, his last name, meant football. Now, you can imagine the pressure on him to be good at football. And he was. Oh, he was. He was a tackle, and he was strong, and he was intense. So here was this football family in a football town. And if he ever wanted to go to college, it would have to be on a football scholarship. Because they weren't wealthy, and he wasn't an intellectual. And so every day he would go out. And when he would make a mistake, he would beat up on himself and everybody around him. He would take it out on everybody around him. So all of us just kind of want to stay out of his way. Just stay out of his way. If he had a bad practice, he'd come in, he'd dent the lockers. If he jumped, which you usually do because you're, you're, you're so intense that you jump the count. Man, a string of... One day, he came into the locker room whistling and his smile on his face. We'd never seen him smile before. Everybody was a little bit too scared to ask him what the smile was about. They just were glad it was there and nobody was in immediate danger of him going off. 
He went out and he practiced different. I mean, he, he was better at what he did because he wasn't so tense about what he did. And then the game came Friday night and we did badly. He did great, we did badly. And we thought, oh no, I do not even wanna go back to that locker room. And we're all in the locker room trying to get out of there before he gets in there, well, here he comes. And he looked at the quarterback and he went straight to the quarterback. And we're all going, oh Lord, 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 Lord. And I could see the face of the quarterback and you could just see the fear in his eyes. And this guy went over and he said, don't worry about it. We'll get him next week. Well, this collective sigh went out, but we were all the more puzzled. And he got ready to leave and he walked out the door. All of us were so curious as to where he was going. We followed him at a distance. Have you ever heard a hundred pairs of cleats on a concrete floor? And we looked out the door and there was this pretty little cheerleader just slipped her arm into his and they walked off together. Now I tell you that because I want you to know the freedom that comes with knowing that your role is not just what the world says it is. That you have more than a life than you picture. Because God wants to give you that freedom. God wants to give us all that perspective and that's why we take this meal. And that's why we live in community that will remind us in various ways with various activities that those things are holy should be regular in our lives out in the world. You remember what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. And when he had given thanks, and you remember the ancient Hebrew prayer that he prayed on that last night, Baruch these are words that are 4,000 years old. It's who they were. They weren't slaves anymore. They were free. It confirmed to them who they were. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. Baruch Blessed are you, are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth wine from the earth. And with those words, they remembered again who they were because of God's calling, because of God's action, because of God's nature, because God doesn't change through all of the generations, we need to remember who we are. We need to be reminded. You know, the Protestants only have a couple of sacraments. 
the Lord's Supper and baptism. Catholics have seven. But in a way, when we are together, when we are affirming one another in our identity in Jesus Christ, when we are being encouraged in our faith, all of life becomes sacramental. All of life becomes a sacred practice. I want to show you a video of a group that is learning this, of several groups that are learning this. And then we will be reminded. 